Welcome to the City Temple live stream. This is just one part of our Sunday worship gathering. And if you'd like to join us for our whole service via Zoom, then email us at info at city-temple.com. You can also look on our website for more information about worshiping in person. Today, I would like to welcome Gisela Rivello, who will be preaching the Word of God today. Thank you, Gisela. We give, you, we give the microphone out to you. Okay, perfect. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, such a pleasure to be back and to see you all, all here. It is um, so nice that we're able to all meet up again. Um, so let's just go straight into the Word. Um, the, title, the title for today's message it's the successful life of the suffering Christian. It's an interesting title, I think, because our life as Christian is an interesting life. Um, shall we just um, read first from the first book of Thessalonians, chapter 1. We're going to read the whole chapter. It says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor was prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the, Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we live among you for your sake. You became imitate, imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all, who be, all, all the believers in Macedonia and Acacia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Acacia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell you how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. And now we'll read 1 Peter chapter 4, the whole chapter. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking, parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and, then, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judging the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. 
Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another. As God's stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery, fiery trials when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will then be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will be become of the ungodly and the sinners? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing so. Let's just close our eyes and just put this um, time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we're able to come to you this morning to worship you, to exalt you, to share your word, and to be edified in it, Lord. Father, I pray that your word be sown into our hearts, produce the fruit that it must, help us to endure, help us to persevere, help us to love each other, Lord, help us to be faithful, that when you come, when you return, you will find us faithfully working, faithfully doing what you've called us to do, that in everything that we do, we will do it with joy, we will do it with gladness, we will be um, found grateful, but above all, Father, that we will be found faithful to you, Lord. Father, only you know the circumstances that each one of us is going through at this moment in time. You know our worries. You know, Father, the, 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 the things that are, are in our mind. When we place it all before you in your altar, Lord, may you bring healing, may you bring comfort, may you bring that word that we need today to keep on going to keep on trusting, to keep on believing, Lord. Father, thank you for your precious word. Help us to be like Christ. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. <clears throat> so um, an interesting topic, an interesting uh, theme that, that I felt God was speaking to me, first of all. <clears throat> um, I, think, I think I've mentioned in the past how I think the way that I used to think about Christianity was, that, you know, you become a Christian and then everything changes, like um, kind of the ending of every uh, children's book, and they live happily ever after. That would have been kind of what I would say would happen to a Christian. You know, you become a Christian and then you live happily ever after. And then you begin to realize that 
it's not like that. That the moment you commit to Christ, all of a sudden you, you begin this kind of walk of a struggle and, and it feels like maybe God is not with you because things are not going you know, your way or things are not happening the way you expected it. And I think that's only happened because we don't really understand what we commit to. It's as if someone gets married and thinks, oh, now that I'm married, everything's going to be okay. There's not going to be any more fighting. There's not going to be any more argument. There's only going to be lots of joy and, and, and kisses and hugs and, you know, I'm going to be happy now. And then you get into marriage and realize things are not like that. That maybe there's more fighting, that maybe there's more struggles because two people have committed now to be together until death separates them. And I think sometimes we make that commitment as Christians without realizing what it involves. And Christ tells us, you know, this life of, of being a Christian is a life of suffering because Christ went through it. He showed us what it, he actually sacrificed his life for us. That should give us a big clue that being a Christian is, is not an easy thing, that it means commitment. Um, I'm from Ecuador. And in Ecuador, there were some missionaries, uh, American, North American missionaries, who were killed by a, a tribe in, in, in Ecuador. And um, something interesting that uh, one of the wives, her name is Elizabeth Elliot, said, she said, it is through the deepest suffering that we can learn the deepest lessons. She, she became a widower because her husband was killed um, as they were preaching or trying to preach the gospel to a, a tribe that was completely kind of on the outskirts of, of the country. They had never had any contact with other, other people. They were a, a complete a tribe kind of on their own. And uh, I think there were either four or five missionaries, the husbands that were killed the first time they, they tried to make contact with them. Uh, and the story is actually interest, interesting because, uh, you know, as, as a wife, young, young widowers, because they had been married maybe uh, less than a year or maybe two to three years, some of them, and they had young children. And all of a sudden, doing the work of God, you know, giving their life literally in, in another country that is not a country, they end up widowers with young children. I think at that moment you would, you would have think, God, where were you? You know, the, everything we were doing was for you. Why did you forsake us? Why did you leave us? And I'm sure, you know, all of these questions were going through their minds. But, uh, you know, kind of now looking back, it was through that sacrifice, it was through that difficult, completely difficult circumstances that all of this tribe became to know Christ as the Lord and Savior. And these women um, embraced those who killed their husbands. Uh, actually, one of the people that killed one of the husbands uh, became like a grandfather figure for that child that, became, that, that was left without a grandfather eventually. And so it's a, it's a nice story. You know, when you look after many, many years, you kind of see God, even in the, the suffering and even in the most difficult circumstances, you were working something in their lives. Now, you know, sometimes when we talk about suffering, we think, oh, you know, they got it worse than me, or, you know, I've got it worse than everybody else. And really, it's not fair for us to compare sufferings, because each one of us go through different circumstances. You know, our suffering is individual to me. It, you know, 
maybe tomorrow is the day that you need to pay your mortgage and, and you're suffering because you think, how am I going to pay because, you know, where am I going to get the resources? But maybe tomorrow is the day you're going to find the news of, our, of our, an exam or a test, you know, medical test that might change your life. You know, both of them are equally important to the individual. So we should not compare our suffering because suffering is, is a personal thing that God is doing in your life to teach you something, to help you mature. You know, God, God knows how much we can bear. He knows how much we can carry. He knows how much we can, you know, uh, hold on to. And, and he, he allows certain circumstances in our life for us to be able to mature. I think one of the things that we need to understand through all of this is that everything that happens in our life, God is allowing us to bring maturity in our life. And, and again, sometimes we compare and we think, oh, but look at that person. Or look how they're doing. Don't, don't look at other people. Just look at your life. God is doing something in you to teach you something. He wants to glorify himself in you. You know, leave the other person alone. God will do what he needs to do with them. Concentrate in you. Now, the first thing that I want to share is that suffering is part of our Christian inheritance. It's kind of one of the, the things that you take on the moment that you commit to Christ. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's three different interesting things here. The first one, I have been crucified with Christ. The moment we understand that, then you understand that this life, this Christian life is a suffering life. You have been crucified with Christ. And it means that there are a lot of things that you will need to die to. There's a lot of passions, desires, things that you need to surrender your life to, to be committed with Christ. We have not been promised a, a, a trial-free life, but we have been promised that we will be able to overcome when we're going through those difficult times. The other thing that it says, I live by faith. Now, faith is the one thing that keeps us strong when we're going through difficult times. Faith is the one thing that we need to hold on and that we need to persevere in, in this world. You know, it's, it, we live in a broken world. And, and as much as we'll try to make it better and as much as we'll try to, you know, th get things the best way as we can possibly can, you know, it, it is a broken world. So you can only try to fix something, but then you realize that, you know, this is not the promised land for us. Uh, eternity is the promised land for us. But in here, we are to, to be um, ambassadors of Christ. In here, we're meant to show what, what it is to live in Christ. And, by, and to show what it is to live in Christ means that we need to live by faith. Faith is the one thing that we can hold on to. And, and even in difficult times, just hold on to that faith to keep us going. And then something that, is, that it says here, or says it says, we leave, uh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This, I felt as I was doing the message that there are, that God, God, there is a word that God wants to transmit and share today with you, and it's that word, love. You, we will see in different verses that I'm going to be sharing today. In this one it says, who loved me. 
we need to understand that God loved us. And then there's another one that says that the love of God has been poured into our hearts. And Thessalonians says, we have been loved by God. First Peter says, beloved. There is something, I think, for me this morning that God wants you to understand, that you are loved by God. That means that there is nothing that you need to do to be loved by him, that he's already loved you just as you are. He just loves you. You don't need to gain his love. You don't need to gain anything from him. He just loves you, and that's it. What he wants from you is to develop character. What he wants from you is to hold on to your faith. But that, that's, that's, that's not going to make him love you any more or love you any less. He already loves you, and that's it. If we can only grasp that understanding that we are loved, that he loves us, that we are his beloved, something will change inside of us. Because sometimes we do things for other people because we want to be like. We want them to love us. We want them, we want them to accept us. We want them to, to, you know, to, to, we want to be filled that we are accepted. With God, we don't need to do any of that. He already accepts you. He already loves you. You are his beloved. You are, you know, you are his beloved. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening, happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. You know, when we're going through difficult times, when we're going through suffering, this is not the first thing that comes to our mind. If anything, we would, you know, there are, I think there are situations and times in our lives, you know, when, when we hear that expression, I wish the air would open up and just swallow me. I think there are those times when we feel, God, I wish this, you know, we just, I, I want to overcome this quickly. I don't want to feel how I'm feeling. I don't want to go through what I'm going through. You know, can we just, can it be next month? Can it be, you know, next week? Can it be next year so that I've gone through all of this without feeling it? You know, obviously, that doesn't happen. We have to go through every minute or every hour or every day or every month until we go through it. But I think one of the things that should help us to, to be strengthened on those difficult times is to know that we need to rejoice knowing that we are sharing Christ's suffering. That the, and that, in that suffering, God's glory will be revealed into our lives. I think it's difficult to, to see how can any good come out of this time that I'm going through. How can any, any better, any good come out of my suffering? But it will. It will. You just need to hold on. Number two, suffering causes us to mature. Romans chapter 5, verse 2 to 5 says, through him, we have also obtained access to faith, by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love, has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Maturity causes us to grow. And, uh, you know, if you can evaluate your life, 
you should not be the same Christians you were the day you accept Christ. You should not even be the same Christians you were this time last year. There should be a, a different maturity in your life. There should be a different level of faith in your life. There should be a different level of, of love in your life. Everything, if we can measure uh, things in our life, there should be more now than it was before. The only thing that should be less now should be sin. That's the one thing that should be less in your life. But all of the other things, faith, love, hope, uh, forgiveness, that should be more in our life now than it was before. When we're going through suffering, brothers and sisters, I don't know, you know what you're going through right now, or maybe everything's good, but if you're going through a difficult time right now and you feel, I'm on my own, this is only me, like everyone else is okay, everyone else seems happy, everyone else seems okay, but I am going through the worst season of my life and I'm on my own, you're not. You're in good company. <laughs> you know, when we look at the Apostle Paul, he's a really good example for us. In 2 Corinthians, he tells us the things that he's gone through in his life. In chapter 11, verse 23 to 27, he says, I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three different times I was beaten with rods, and once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and in deserts and on the seas, and I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty, and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. That, that sounds like a, a really, really, really difficult time for the Apostle Paul. Like he's gone through really a lot of sufferings. And maybe, you know, like I said to you at the beginning, we should not compare our sufferings to others. But we are in good company. You're not on your own. You're not alone going through the difficult times that you're going through. You know, brothers and sisters, James chapter 1 says, verses 2 and 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you are met with different, tri different kinds of trials, because you know that, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. But when you're going through those difficult times, when you're going through those times that, you know, it feels horrible, just remember that that endurance, that perseverance is going to cause you to mature, that it's going to create something wonderful eventually, something that God is working something in your life that if you don't go through that, you won't be able, the person he wants you to be on the, you know, once that's finished. And there's going to be a day of glory. There's going to be a day of rejoicing. There's going to be a day when we will see, when we will be really look back and see, okay, God, now, now I get it. I didn't get it before, but now I get it. And it doesn't mean that, you know, there'll be 
answers maybe to many of the questions we, we have because there's some sufferings that you just don't understand. How can this be okay? But when we hold on to God, when we hold on to that faith, when we look at the things that he wants to do in our lives, you will see that God is working something in you. Just persevere. Lastly, suffering can be endured with joy. I don't know if you've noticed, but in all the verses that we've read, they said rejoice, rejoice, you know, have joy, keep joy. And it's, I think it's difficult to, to have joy in difficult times. It's, it's not an easy thing, but I mean, when you read it, it sounds easy because it just says rejoice when you're going through suffering. So, you know, you read that, you think, okay, I just I need to rejoice on, on this time. But I think the reading and the action is, is there's a big difference between actually putting that into work, putting, putting that into action. That's the difficult part because it means that you need to work something in your heart in order to have joy when you're going through difficult times because sometimes when you're going through difficulties, the only thing you want to do is cry and be sad and not, sometimes not even do anything. And to, so to, to, to think, okay, in those moments, I need to have joy in my heart. And joy is not just being, you know, laughter or happiness. Joy, there's something of joy that has to uh, come out from the inside out. And, and I think that's when we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Only through the Holy Spirit can we truly experience true joy. Only through that dynamis, that power, that like dynamite from the Holy Spirit can we experience true joy. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. If there is no joy in your heart today, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I need to experience your joy. And it's a gift that he will give to you. And it might be a prayer that you might need to do kind of every day until you truly experience joy, until you truly experience that power. And you know what? One of, one of the things that I also found when we're going through difficult times, we do not need to go through them on our own. We are brothers and sisters who are here to edify one another. And perhaps you might not tell everyone, you know, I'm not going through a really good path in my life. I'm not going through a really, I'm going through a difficult experience right now. You might not need to tell everyone, but just maybe one or two that you trust, that you know will pray with you, who will maybe listen to you, who will encourage you. And that brings such a change in, in because some of these things are spiritual things as well. You know, where the enemy wants to bring uh, kind of darkness into your life, where the enemy wants you to experience loneliness. Uh, there's a spirit of loneliness. There's uh, also uh, sometimes oppressions that the enemy brings into our lives. So do not feel you need to go through these things alone. There's always someone there to help you, to encourage you. You know, call your brothers and sisters. Ask for prayer. Prayer changes circumstances. Prayer changes difficulties. And prayer is also a way of us getting closer to God. So do not be on your own. Um, Habakkuk, this, this verse in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 6, 17 to 19, has been kind of a, um, 
uh, a verse that has helped me go through difficult times. It says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the, ye and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there'll be no herds in the stalls. Yet, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord, and will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like deers. He makes me thread on my high places. There's times, brothers and sisters, where we cannot deny that the circumstances are terrible, that what we are seeing around us, it's bad. You know, there's no way we can say it's not happening. Here in Habakkuk, we see the fig tree has not blossomed. There is no fruit on the vines. The olive tree, the, 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 the uh, yield for the, uh, for the olive tree has fallen. There's no food. The flock has been cut off. There's like everything is bad. Like there is no food, there is no produce, nothing. Like we, we should sit down and just cry because that is our circumstances. But he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. I think what God is also telling us, brothers, apart from love, to know that we are loved, that we are his beloved, that we need to rejoice. Even when around us is all bad, we need to rejoice. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. Wow. Because my strength is not in my abilities. My strength is not on what I do or what I have or even what I don't have. My strength is in the Lord. And when our strength is in the Lord, we can definitely overcome anything, brothers and sisters. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. Know that your strength is in Him. I hope that you'll be able to, to go through all of these different verses and know, and, and sometimes meditating on them brings something, it's like it clicks something inside your heart and you re, and you're all, all of a sudden um, can understand, okay, God, this is not the end. This is not the end. This is just part of the process that you want me to experience, but this is not the end. The end is coming. The end is still, there's hope. There is hope because my my joy, my strength is in you, Lord. So there is more things. This is just temporary. Something bigger, something better is coming. And, and brothers and sisters, when, when we understand that, then we will rejoice and we will be glad in the God of our salvation. Shall we pray and just thank God for today? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you because... Lord, when we come before you, when we, when we come to pray and to praise, Lord, we're able to understand that things that are happening in our lives, Lord, can only be overcome with your strength. Father, thank you because your word tells us over and over and over again that you loved us, that you loved us first, that we are your beloved, that you have Pour your love upon us, Lord. Father, help us understand this truth, that in this truth we will be accepted, 
that in this truth we will understand our purpose in our lives, Lord. Father, thank you for your love. And Father, we also pray this morning or today, Father, help us to understand how to have joy when we're going through trials. Help us to understand how to have joy when we're going through difficult times, Lord. How to have joy, Father, when we see everything around us looks gloomy. Everything around us look, doesn't look good, Lord. Help us to have that joy in you. Help us, Father, to, to say, I will rejoice in the Lord and I will take joy in the God of my salvation, Father. Today, we want to come to you with gladness. We want to rejoice, Father. Even if our circumstances around us are difficult, Lord, we will persevere because we understand that you are calling us to, do, to mature, that you're calling us to, to grow, Father. And I just pray for the congregation, Father, for the people listening to the message, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit will fill them with joy, your joy, joy, supernatural joy that changes us from the inside out, that people will be able to see a difference in us, Lord. And help us, Father, be those um, imitators of Christ. Help us to imitate Christ and rejoice even in our suffering, knowing that we are experiencing uh, or, or we are imitators of Christ on, on, and that we can uh, overcome, Father, the difficulties that, are, that we are experiencing, Lord. We thank you. Father, I pray that you will bring healing emotionally, physically, that, Father, if their enemy is oppressing anyone right now, in the name of Jesus, by the authority of, Lee, of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus right now, we rebuke that. We do not accept the lies from the enemy. We call on the truth that you've called us, Father. You've called us to be beloved. You've called us to be your children. You've called us to be the head and not the tail. You've called us, Father, to, to be uh, your, your um, daughters and sons here on the earth, Father. And you called us for greater things. So, Father, I thank you. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will seal each one of us, Lord, for this week to understand what is true joy in our difficulties, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Amen.